Uh, we just celebrate those of us that believe. We get excited about uh, the promises of Easter. Uh, we reflect on the fact that He's resurrected and uh, there's hope and uh, things can change in our lives. Uh, so uh, for many of us, this is just an absolutely uh, delightful and exciting day. It's the, the, the joy of the season. It's the highlight of uh, church for the year. Uh, and I just want to welcome all of you here today. Uh, you may be regular attenders. Uh, you may be here reluctantly because some family members twisted your arm and said, you know, uh, you've got to do what I want to do so that I can do what you want to do. And uh, you, you, uh, maybe you just uh, here willingly, but, you know, church is not your thing and, and you come once a year. Uh, whatever your situation is, don't feel guilty. Don't feel awkward. I'm really just delighted. Uh, that you hear, and uh, I just pray that this will really be a meaningful uh, day for you, and uh, that you would experience the resurrected Christ uh, being real uh, to you personally. Uh, you don't have to make it up. You don't have to wish it to be. Uh, you can experience Christ because Christ is who He said He is. I, I know, though, for many of you, uh, you've got cabin fever. I've got a a great uh, a picture here, which sort of describes how you feel, uh, thinking that, you know, if we had a white Easter, that wouldn't really impress you a whole lot. Uh, and yet here we have a, a sort of a, a blown out white Easter, just like this house. Uh, maybe this is how your life feels. You know, you're just uh, worn out, you're weary, uh, you don't feel particularly hopeful, and, you know, there's still some snow on the ground. Uh, and uh, you just feel like, I need some assurance. And uh, in some ways, as uh, spring comes and we see those daffodils, like, you know, poking through the snow, uh, something rises up within us. We say, spring is coming. I mean, I know it's like a long time, in com but it's coming. There, there's some sense of, okay, this is going to get better. We're moving into another season. It may still feel cold and still patches of snow, but there's assurance that spring is coming. And uh, there's just a whole bunch of ways in our lives that uh, we need to have some assurance. We need to get some sense of uh, expectation of what's next. Uh, you know, if you've wanted to have a, a child and you uh, finally get pregnant, uh, there's a sense of assurance that you're going to have a baby. You know, the baby hasn't uh, been delivered yet, uh, but there's the assurance. It, it, it's coming along. Uh, you can see it. It's no longer uh, just a wish and a hope. Uh, it's, uh, it's coming along. Uh, likewise, if uh, you're trying to get your first home uh, and you, you get a job and uh, you finally be able to save some money and then you make the big step, you go to the bank and you actually get approved for uh, a loan. Well, you haven't quite got your home yet, but you have assurance. There's an assurance that this is going to come. This is going to come to be. We now can go and look uh, for a home. We all need some assurance, uh, you know, uh, in one shape or form or another. Uh, for kids that are applying for college, you, you apply for all the different colleges, and then finally you get an acceptance le letter, and you say, I have assurance. I, I, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get into a college uh, or the college uh, that you wanted to get into. But once we get that assurance, uh, we haven't actually got to college yet, but our hearts are warmed. There's a sense of, uh, this is going to be okay. This is going to work out okay. Uh, my dreams are coming to be. 
uh, you might have your home and uh, you want to renovate it and you got to deal with contractors and whatever not, but finally you get your plans approved, your contractor's about to, uh, you know, start doing the renovations, and there's something, it's like, okay, that's exciting. We haven't seen the final product, but it's coming, and uh, we have this assurance. And so for Easter, uh, it's a similar thing. We have this assurance that Christ has risen from the dead. And now we haven't fully experienced that. We haven't risen from the dead, you know, and we are selfish. We're like, okay, I, I, Christ, you're great, but what about me? And uh, there's this sense of we will rise from the dead. And uh, Christ is saying, I'm giving you this assurance. Uh, I'm going to rise from the dead, and the things that I've said are going to come to be. Uh, this is the assurance. And so for us as believers, this is just a, an exciting time. It's a time when... Uh, we press into Christ, we celebrate what He's done for us, and we get excited about the future that we have on this earth right now with Christ in our lives. Uh, we also get excited about the fact that we're going to live and rise again from the dead. And we have this assurance. It hasn't happened for us personally yet, but we get excited because Christ has made a way for us. Uh, the author of Hebrews a book in the Bible, says it this way, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. And so we say, yes, yes, Lord, we need that assurance. We thank you for these, uh, for these things. Now, uh, if you, when you came in this morning, uh, hopefully you got one of these little uh, booklets. And uh, I'm starting a series today uh, talking about the victor, meaning Jesus, as he's, you know, being the victor over death. And I'm talking about the prize, the accomplishments, the prize for us. And over the next uh, several weeks, building up to Memorial Day weekend, which is Pentecost, uh, which is when the church actually started, which is when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. So between now, Easter, and uh, Pentecost, Memorial Day weekend, these six weeks, it's like a, it's like a celebration. It's like a party. It's like we're focusing on all the good things that Christ has done for us personally by dying on the cross. Uh, there's this mystery where we have to unpack. It's like, okay, so what exactly uh, does it mean when Christ died on the cross and overcame death by rising on the third day. What exactly does that mean to me? And so over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be unpacking what that means. We're going to be looking at uh, how does that give us a sense of uh, hope? How does that give us a, a sense of uh, transformation? There's, the, there's this prize that Christ has won for us. He's given us hope. There's a sense of transformation where he changes us from the inside. Uh, he uses the Spirit of God to shape us and mold us to become the way He wants us. It's not up to us. It's up to, it's up to God. We just participate. And there's a sense of uh, the prize where God has done something through His love where we can deal with our hurts and sometimes our healings. We need physical healing and emotional healing for the things that we've gone through. And uh, Jesus says, I've done that. And in some part, either in a total way or in a partial way, uh, Christ is saying, this is a real uh, accessible 
uh, prize that uh, we can enjoy. So I just encourage you, if you want to um, make it back to the next few weeks, it's going to be a great series, and and I I, I think it's going to be a, a good time to uh, sense God's presence. But let me just be uh, specific here today. If you're a believer and this is your regular church, uh, I just pray in today's service you'll sense uh, assurance. Uh, you'll sense uh, assurance about your uh, eternal destiny with Christ. You will sense an assurance about the love that Christ really has for you and that no matter what your struggles are, that He is with you and able to help you through them. Uh, you know, that's a, it's an assurance that there's power uh, in Christ. It's not just like wishful thinking. And uh, for those of you that, you know, you may not be someone of faith, uh, and this might be a whole new thing uh, to you, I just uh, pray that out of my message today, uh, Christ in some way or, or other mysteriously would reveal himself to you and, and draw you to him, uh, that you might follow him, and uh, that this would be, uh, you know, really like the best day of your life. Uh, so let me just pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you on this Resurrection Sunday, Easter, where you conquered death, and we celebrate that. Lord, I just pray uh, that you would empower my preaching today. Lord, that you just put heat on this message. Uh, you would uh, speak to each person here in a way which is loving, where people encounter your love. So, uh, Lord, we just lift this day up to you. In your name, Jesus. Uh, amen. If you've got a bulletin, I have this little um, insert. And uh, I've got a couple of fill in the blanks. I'll give you the answers straight away so that there's no tension here. <laughs> I'll treat you like first graders, in other words, you know. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus really is a, a very unlikely message. I mean, you know, if you think of somebody trying to uh, create a religion, uh, the message of Jesus is an unlikely message. And it's uh, carried out by unlikely people. And uh, it really has very unlikely results. Uh, you know, if you were going to try and invent a religion, uh, invent a, uh, a story, this would not be the story. Uh, the story of Jesus, uh, you wouldn't invent it like this. And you wouldn't use the people that Jesus used, God used. Uh, you would come up with a different story. Uh, and so I want to just unpack that a little bit. But uh, talk about an unlikely message. Uh, I want to just read to you from the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, and uh, point out what might be obvious to many of you that the message that Christ uh, proclaims is very, uh, let's say, abrupt, or maybe you'd say egotistical, or maybe you'd say uh, harsh, uh, uh, very uh, pointed. Uh, and you can either dismiss it, or you say, well, maybe it's just crazy enough to be true. And, you know, many of us, it's like, no, this is true. Now, I'll sort of let the cat out of the bag right up front. Uh, the message of Jesus is one where Jesus is saying, follow me. That's essentially the message. Jesus is saying, follow me. Now, let me unpack it a bit. 
uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, uh, he's speaking to his disciples, and he says in verse 3, When everything is ready, I will come and get you, and you will be always with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. Now, he's talking to his insiders. He's talking to his disciples. And his disciple uh, Thomas responds this way. No, we don't know, Lord. Uh, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Now, Jesus has like, been hanging out to these guys. He's been explaining it to them. And uh, he's the inside, they're the inside group. And Thomas is just blatantly honest. And he says, you know what? We've been hanging out with you, but uh, we, we're kind of clueless. We, we, we really don't know. And for many of us, and for many of you, as you follow Christ, it's not like we have all the answers. It's not like we have this all figured out. I mean, I don't have it all figured out, and I'm trying to convince you guys, uh, because I'm not superior to God. Uh, but this is what Jesus says. I mean, talk about startling. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had already known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And then a different disciple, Philip, says, okay, this is like real confusing. Can you just make it real simple, Jesus? Can you just like show us the father? Like, I mean, who is this person you're praying to? And how do you exactly get all this power and this insight? Can you just like show us? Then we'll get it. And Jesus says to him, he says, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show you him? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does this work through me. And then he says to him, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I mean, you know, Jesus just like lays it out there. It's just a very unlikely message. It's just saying, you've seen God. You've looked at me. Believe. Uh, and Jesus doesn't try and like, you know, persuade them heavily. It's like, this is my message. Follow me. Believe who I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, if that doesn't generate a whole bunch of questions, I'm sure it does. But Jesus is willing to let us and let the disciples live in a certain tension where we don't have all the answers that we would like to have, but we have enough to go on, even though it's in faith. But it's a realistic faith. We, we, we can see what Jesus has done. We can put some of the pieces together. But uh, not only uh, is it an unlikely message, it's delivered by very unlikely people. I mean, here we have the disciples. And, uh, you know, they doubt and they are awkward and uh, they're not the sort of pillars of faith and of strength when you can peel back and see who they really were and the questions they really had and, and the way they really lived. You, you, you start identifying with them and saying, wow, these are uh, really unlikely people, and, and um, I mean, 
look at the most unlikely person, Judas Iscariot. I mean, I mean, think of this. Who would come up with a plan like this? Okay, this is God coming up with, this is my great plan of Christianity. Uh, you know, I'm going to send my son Jesus, and uh, he's going to pray to me, and we're going to choose like 12 perfect men to then carry on this message. And, uh, you know, God doesn't make any mistakes, and so Jesus prays, and, and Jesus says, have Judas. Great, this guy's going to be awesome. And then you find out the guy's a total loser. And like, he's like, I don't want to put that in the Bible. That's like sort of a bad story. Can we just sort of hide it? And, you know, can we just like have heroes in the Bible? Uh, and you see Judas. I mean, talk about unlikely people. Uh, Jesus uses just such unlikely people for an unlikely message. Uh, unless, of course, it's true. And then it's like, wow, this really is relatable to average people. Uh, and, you know, even Jesus himself. I mean, you talk about an unlikely message and an unlikely story. Okay, here's the big hero. Here's God, and he's going to uh, die. And, and not only does he die, but he dies with all his fans deserting him. I mean, like, who would come up with a story like that? I mean, what king or what hero or what any other story uh, you know, sort of culminates with everybody abandoning you, even your closest friends, your closest disciples, and you just die alone in the most undignified way, humiliated. Uh, just a, it's such an unlikely story. And then, of course, you know, we have Resurrection Sunday. And now the pieces start coming together. And now the story starts making sense. But it's still not like we know it all, or it all totally like, okay, this is real easy. No, it, it's still a, a difficult uh, process for us. There's plenty of questions that you have, that I have. But even the results, they they so unlikely. I mean, that sort of, you know, pathetic group of followers uh, in that unlikely start becomes this sort of worldwide religion that's growing and expanding, and there's this huge amount of uh, interest in it 2,000 years later. You know, and one way, because we live in this Boston area where that isn't the, 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 the case, where, you know, th this isn't the most sort of vibrant center of Christianity, we've kind of missing what's happening on a global scale, uh, where people are rarely turning to Christ, and nations are turning to Christ, and people groups are turning to Christ, uh, and uh, there is something percolating around the world that is really exciting. I mean, it's unlikely that this message, you know, of a Palestinian Jew would be relating to, you know, even us as Americans. Forget about, you know, other people groups around the globe. Christ's message is, is, has taken foot and uh, is doing real well. But let's just take a closer look at, at some of these aspects. Uh, I, I just love this uh, Gospel of John. And uh, carrying on to chapter 14, Jesus uh, says this. He says this to his disciples. I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you, you know him, 
because he lives with you now, obviously talking about himself, Jesus is saying, I am the Holy Spirit. I am with you now. And he's about to, about to die. He says, uh, but because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And that's the big promise. I'm going to die. It's better if I die because I can, in my human capacity, I'm limited. But once I have been resurrected and I'm in spirit form, I can live within you. And when I'm living within you, I will be an advocate for you. I will help you. I will give you uh, comfort. I will give you help when you have decisions to make or when you go through life's difficulties. It's not to say that your life is going to be onward and upward and just perfect without problems. It is to say that I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, a real person who can really relate to you, who's going to help you along until you die. And then the comfort is, after you die, uh, you're going to have eternal life with Christ, with God, the Father, uh, in in a real meaningful way. That's the hope uh, that we have. And we see this unlikely message again being told on Easter morning, uh, John chapter 20. It says this, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, uh, now Mary Magdalene, Magdalene was the place where she was born, uh, the town. And Mary was the person that Jesus had earlier uh, driven out uh, demons from. And she was just like one of Jesus' most devoted followers because of what he had done for her. He had freed her from her difficulties. And she was just like so grateful to Jesus. She didn't understand everything about him. She didn't have the privilege of hanging out like the disciples did. She just knew this guy was good and he had done something supernatural in her life and she was really grateful to him. Now, uh, the story carries on and she came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And... uh, you know, we get the, the, the fuller picture when you read the other Gospels that Jesus was uh, placed in a tomb and he was wrapped up in uh, linen cloth and it was done in a hurried manner because uh, on Friday it was the beginning of the, Jew, the Jewish Sabbath and uh, they were in a hurry. They had to get it all done before sunset because they weren't allowed to do it on sunset. And probably it was done by men that are wrapping up, and they probably did a sloppy job. And, uh, you know, so the woman knew that they had to fix up their mess and, and come with some real embalming, uh, you know, ointment and spices and make it really look pretty. And so Mary is, she's like, okay, I'm devoted. I, I, I'm going to go and uh, do his body properly. So she gets down there, and she finds that the, the stones rolled away. Uh, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples the one who Jesus loved, and that's John from the Gospel of John. He just doesn't want to be arrogant about who he is, so he sort of uses an indirect method of describing himself. And uh, they run uh, back to the tomb. And anyway, she says, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple, John, started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. They stooped, uh, they stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, and they didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. I mean, classic to his personality, he's just, you know, bold and walks right in. He noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth and the coverings 
that uh, were around Jesus. They were all folded up and they're lying apart from the other wrappings, the head wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. You know, this is like remarkable. Each one of us come to faith in Christ in a totally different way. I mean, for, the, for John, the, the disciple, he went inside for some reason or other when he saw the wrappings. And he said, okay, I, I, I just, it must be true. This is it. It's like all the lights went on. You know, for, mo- for many of you, you'll read this and it's like, I don't know. I, okay, what did he see? And why, did, why was that the moment that he believed? But anyway, for until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying as she wept. She looked, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and one at the foot of the place where Jesus' body had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked. Because we have taken, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, this is Jesus speaking to, to Mary Magdalene, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. And then Jesus says, Mary. You know, there's something, when God speaks to us personally, when he uses our own name, when he, he talks to us in our own circumstances, that's when it becomes personal. That's when we connect with God and say, oh my gosh, he really knows me. And for Mary, uh, that was the shocker. It was like, he knows my name. That, that's God. That's Jesus. I mean, she responds immediately. She turned around and cried, Rabboni, which means in Hebrew, teacher. And then Jesus says, don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Now, you talk about unlikely people that God uses. Here's the first person that Jesus appears to when he's resurrected. He appears to a woman. Now, we don't get it in our culture, you know, where we're saying, okay, women, we're trying to make equal in every facet. But in that day and age, of all people that you're not going to use to kind of prove your case, it's going to be women. A woman was not allowed to testify in court. A, a woman's testimony was unreliable and not, they, they just weren't allowed to testify. And here Jesus uses a woman to be the, like the testimony of his resurrection. I mean, you know, if we wrote the script, we'd like, how about Pontius Pilate? You know, appear to Pontius Pilate and, and then he'll prove your story and then everybody will believe. Oh, no, no. Jesus, I'm like, okay, I'm going to appear to Mary, who nobody's going to believe. That's my plan. What a great plan. You know, I mean, if you walk with Christ, honestly, again and again, uh, you're going to be surprised and mystified the way Christ speaks to you and speaks to me and the things that Christ finds interesting and and, uh, exciting and the way he draws us and what he's steering us towards. It's just not going to be our plan. It's going to be his plan, but it's it's a wonderful plan. And then if you look at the rest of the resurrection appearances, uh, it's really quite, uh, quite an, an amazing thing. I mean, after appearing to, uh, to Mary, 
uh, he then appears to his disciples. And uh, the group seems to get bigger and bigger. And we read in, in 1 Corinthians. Now, this is written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, and Paul has this encounter with Christ, uh, like totally separate from the disciples. At this point, Paul's trying to murder Christians, you know, for the, 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 the years, the time right after that. And Christ has to appear to him uh, separately uh, and powerfully. And then Paul finally writes, as he's writing uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, he says, okay, so then Jesus starts appearing to this broader group of people, like 500. And he has an amazing thing. And then Paul says, and most of those guys are still alive. So if you like battling to believe this story, why don't you go and check it out and find out the facts and resolve your issues with any one of the like 300 or so that are still alive and uh, get their side of the story. They were firsthand eyewitness accounts. Uh, see what I am saying in my gospel, you know, in my letters, whether what I'm saying about Jesus is true or not. Don't just believe me. Go and ask witnesses. Go randomly. You choose who you want to see. I mean, this is a, a, an incredible uh, affirmation of the power of the scripture and that the Bible is so believable. Uh, you know, what other book has that sort of uh, ability to say, okay, go and check it out with those that saw him and knew it. And then, you know, the, the author of, of John, uh, he's also the author of the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. And uh, he has a mysterious book. And, uh, you know, we get uh, uh, the resurrected Jesus now speaking to uh, John. And uh, he says this. Uh, he says this, he says in John chapter 1, verse 17, uh, when John, John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me. So Jesus like physically puts his hand on the apostle John. And he says this to John. He says, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I mean, th th this is like profound theology that is just like each word here is like huge. I mean, there's just so much that can be said. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. And then like this little booklet, he says, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Okay, so now Jesus is coming on with a whole different, whole different message. He says, I hold the keys of death. I hold the keys of the grave. It's now in my control. I mean, this is a, this is a, a most uh, like unusual uh, message with unusual people, with unusual results, uh, because there's power in, in this gospel. Uh, you know, we get a foretaste of what we're hoping for after we've been raised from the dead. We get a foretaste of that now, that uh, life will be perfect then. And so we get a sense of God can heal us now. He doesn't always heal us, but he does sometimes. Uh, there's a sense of the Holy Spirit being with us and comforting us now. Not in total, but in significant ways. Uh, there's always this little sort of tastes of what uh, no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow is going to look like. We get tastes of that now. 
And, uh, you know, we end up hanging out with people we really enjoy and like now, in part. And so there's this expectation. It's going to be better, but it's great even now. So, uh, you know, for, for many, uh, just trying to figure out the whole um, gospel, what the Bible says, and, and uh, knowing how much more there is to it, I do a class every now and then, and I'm thinking of doing one uh, now if I have enough uh, folks that are interested in this, uh, and that is uh, exploring faith in Jesus. And uh, this is sort of like a low-bar class. This is a, a class for people that would say, I either know absolutely nothing about Jesus or the Bible, or it's a class for those that it, maybe you've just come to know Christ and, and church is somewhat new to you or, or Jesus is somewhat new, and you're not familiar with the Bible. Uh, so what I'm talking about in this class uh, would be like, who is Jesus? And, and why did he have to die on the cross? And uh, how do you pray so that God actually hears your prayers? Uh, and then we talk about uh, who's the Holy Spirit? And how can I be filled with the Spirit? And what does actually the Spirit do? Uh, so we normally go away actually for a weekend uh, to do that, to talk about and experience that. And then we look at things like, uh, does God heal today? Will God heal me today? And can we try and ask God for healing? So, I mean, if, that, if, you, if you're interested in that class, I, I do need you to email me. And like I said, if we have enough of a response, uh, I'll do this class again. Uh, and it's always a joy for me to do that. So you do need to email me. Otherwise, uh, you know, obviously I wouldn't know. And this is pitched, as I said, to people that are not churched, uh, that, you know, there's no embarrassment of saying, oh, I don't even know where to start. But, uh, you know, one of the things I want to be clear about uh, in this message today is when we say you should come to know uh, Jesus or have a, a relationship or a life in Jesus, I think there's a lot of um, barriers to that. And I think there's a lot of reasons why you might be sitting here today and saying, I just find that, that that's a hard decision to make. For instance, uh, you may be employed uh, by someone who's a Christian, and uh, you just look at his behavior and his attitude, and you say, I don't want to be like him. I mean, like the person's just a bad witness. Uh, or you might know somebody that pr professes to be a Christian, and you say, I, I don't like his lifestyle. I mean, the guy's really an alcoholic or, you know, a pervert or something, and, and you know, he claims to be a Christian, and, but I don't want to be like that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of barriers. Uh, but I want to encourage you, uh, Christ is asking you to follow him. He's not asking you to follow like somebody that's sort of telling you about him and their lives all mixed up. And it's more than that. It, it, it's the church. I mean, the, the church is God's institution. But, you know, it's run by people like me. And uh, if you haven't noticed it, I'm sort of a long way from being perfect like God. You say, yeah, yeah, you, you tick me off pretty often. Uh, yeah, I get that pretty readily. Uh, I, you know, so you might have had a bad church experience, or you've heard bad things in the news about the church, or people that claim to be priests or pastors, or maybe you've listened to some messages on TV or on the radio, and it's like, oh, I hate the style, it's offensive to me. I, I just want to encourage you. I'm not asking you to follow the church. I'm asking you to follow Jesus. 
And there's a difference. Uh, Somehow or other, you have to sort through what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying, come, follow me. And everybody else, and, you know, my best effort to do church and to preach, it, it's, it's not Jesus. I mean, I, I'll try and do the best I can. But the message isn't come follow me. It, it's come follow Jesus. And some other, uh, you, you know, you just have to get through some bad experiences. Or um, some of you may have had this experience where you just, you know, as a non-believer or as a semi-believer, uh, you've seen things happen in this world. Maybe somebody close to you got sick or died prematurely. Or, and you say, well, if God was alive, he wouldn't allow that to happen. And, and I'm, I just can't believe in a God that allows this sort of stuff to happen. And so you've sort of made a judgment on God. And you've decided that you know how God should have responded. And, and he didn't. And therefore, I've I, I got to just, in all humility say to you, you've got to get by that. You've got to focus on Jesus. You're not superior to him. You're not running the world. Uh, you, you know, thankfully, you're not running the world. Uh, and uh, it might be a little bit of a mystery that God doesn't respond the way you think he should or the way you think a loving God should. Uh, you wouldn't have come up with the idea that a loving God should die on a cross. That, that wouldn't have been in your plan. You would have come up with the idea that a loving God would save a baby from dying or your aunt from dying or you from going through hardship, but you wouldn't have come up with the idea of God dying on a cross. Somehow or other, you have to get through and say, I'm following Jesus. I understand in part. It makes sense in part, but I don't understand the whole picture. We all walk in that. Uh, you know, God uses unlikely people. He uses me. I still clearly remember the day I sat in the church uh, said to my wife, why would anybody want to do that dumb job of being a preacher? That's got to be the worst possible job in the world. And then God uses me to be a preacher. I mean, it's like, oh, this is so humiliating. Yeah. But you know what I've got to say to you? In all honesty, my own testimony would be, I was late in coming. I mean, I always seem to be late in coming. I mean, just like, uh, just like everything, I just seem to get, I'm always just slow. Uh, I only found out about Christ when I was 27. Now, after walking with Christ and claiming Him to be my personal Lord and Savior and claiming to hear from Him and claiming that the Bible is relevant and real to me, my only regret is I wish I had have been a Christian and turned to Him when I was a teenager. My teenage years would have been so much better. I would have made so many less stupid mistakes, and my 20s would have been a whole lot better, and I wouldn't have been dealing with all the dumb things I did in the dumb memories and trying to fix all the mistakes and the brokenness, I, I wish I could have followed Christ earlier. I mean, that's my testimony. It's not like that was an awful mistake I made, and I, I just wish I'd never followed Christ. Exact opposite. Uh, you know, and likewise with ministry, it's like, why did it take so long? I mean, I wish I'd have done this earlier. I wish I could have studied more. I wish I could have prepared more. I, I, you know, it's not less, it's more. I, I wish I'd have more of Christ and more of... so. I just encourage you, uh, if, you know, if this is new to you or uh, you don't know Christ, uh, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not asking you to stand up or come forward or anything. I, I'm just saying the way you get to know Christ, the resurrected Christ, is, is simply asking Him into your heart. You, you just say, God, I, you know, with the limited amount of belief that I have, I believe that you exist. I ask, as we read in your scripture, that you would allow the Holy Spirit and you to live within me. Uh, and then part of the deal is you have to acknowledge that you're not Jesus. I mean, 
I know this is a hard thing because you think you're a good person and you think you're pretty much a good guy and you've done most of your life like pretty awesome. But the problem is God is saying you need to be perfect. And that little bit of awesome thing that's not so awesome, God calls sin. And he said, that's really a big deal. And God said, if you want to hang out with me and have a relationship with me, you need to be perfect, not like a good guy. That's not good enough. Perfect. And the only way you can be perfect is if you say, Jesus, I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. But you dying on the cross have made a way for me to be perfect in your eyes. And Jesus says, you've got it. That's, that's the deal. So you ask God, God, come into my life. I just admit that I'm not perfect. Uh, I think I'm a good guy, but I'm not good enough for you. Uh, but you've made a way for me. I just invite you into my heart. Reveal who you are. And that's it. That's the prayer. And uh, that's where I, I leave it. If that's you, just respond that way. You can invite Jesus into your heart now, tonight, uh, whenever. I, I want to end the service there. I want to have the worship team come up, and I'll have uh, uh, Kevin come up. Um, but I will say this, uh, and I said I, I'm not going to embarrass you. I didn't ask you to be embarrassed. But I, I do want to say this. We do have Bibles that are, um, I've got a Bible that I'd like to give you if you're trying to f figure this out. You're new. You're asking Christ into your heart for the first time, which sets out a lot of the answers to the questions that, that you might be having. And it's a Bible which has a lot of the, uh, the references uh, easily accessible and found. Uh, it's also written in a form of English, which is accessible. And uh, we'd gladly give it to you. It's free. Just come up here and see Kevin or one of the ministry team uh, uh, people uh, afterwards. But we also pray before church, and we just say, God, is there anything that you might be saying to us today? We're not sure that we get it right, but is there something? And uh, Kevin leads this up, and, and uh, I just ask Kevin to share what uh, came up in prayer this morning. Maybe this is relevant to you. Okay, uh, so this morning there were um, two words, uh, refresh and revive. And um, I believe this can uh, apply to every one of us, that, that the Lord wants to refresh and revive us. Uh, but I think in particular, anyone maybe this morning who feels kind of uh, overwhelmed or, or weary, uh, I believe the Lord wants to revive and refresh you with strength. Um, Psalm 138, verse 3 says, um, As soon as I prayed, the Lord heard me, um, and he encouraged me with strength. Um, so if that's you, if you have a minute before you have to run out today, um, we, we'd love to uh, spend a few minutes praying with you. And if you'd like prayer for anything else, uh, we'd love to pray for you for that as well. Why don't you stand and uh, let's uh, finish with this uh, closing song. Jesus, we just are delighted and we celebrate uh, in your resurrection. We thank you for what that means to us, that we can have eternal life with you. But uh, also, Lord, that you said we can have abundant life with you right now. And so, Lord, we just, uh, again, we just take uh, confidence in the assurance that you've given us. And Lord, I just pray blessing on your people as they leave here today. In your name, Jesus. Uh, amen. So uh, our service is done. If you'd like prayer, come forward. If you've prayed to the Lord and you're trying to enter into a relationship with him, uh, if you'd like to come up and get a Bible, ask one of the ministry team folks. Uh, uh, even better, if you'd like them to pray with you, they'd be delighted to do that. Uh, if you'd like prayer for anything, uh, come forward.
but uh, if you'd like to meet with me, maybe you're here for a guest for the first time and you just want to say hi, uh, I'm going to make my way over to the, the lobby under the banner that says welcome. We've got a little welcome desk and I'd love to just say hi to you. Uh, bless you. Have a great uh, Easter. Enjoy time with friends or family. Bless you.